<laughs> Man, you know what is great about Grinder is unlike other dating apps where they give you a radius, Grinder gives you down to the meter how far away someone is. So you'll be like in your apartment and it'll be like 17 meters away. So it's like up or down, side to side. You don't know, but you just know 17 meters. None of this radius bullshit. Oh, Slava, are you selling weed on Grinder again? No, no, that was a vice thing. That was like to get by a vice. I had to do that. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I I remember. No, uh, we can't just pass over that. We can't. No, just... I, I was kind of waiting for the follow up. That. Yeah, like what? <laughs> What's the follow up? You tell us, man. It's your how story. Do you know like, about selling weed on Grinder. Like how? Like take me through the process. I guess. Okay. Well, I tried selling weed on Tinder, and then I got blocked from Tinder forever <laughs> wow. so logically you can't go to bumble because it didn't exist at the time so i went out for drinks with my gay friend and he told me about grinder and i downloaded it and the beautiful thing about it is is that you don't have to like two-step verification anything so you can never burn out your email address because you never have to verify an email address so because it's all location-based, you kind of just have a copy-and-pasted message that goes, hey, what's up? Just here to sell weed. Let me know if you need anything. And then you blast that out to like the first 10 torsos on your grid. Because it's like a grid-based system. None of the swiping bullshit. Just like a grid of torsos with no face. And you hit them all up. And some of them block you some of them <laughs> try to ignore what you said completely and like maybe five percent actually take you up on the offer then it's on you as the supplier to provide excellent customer service to turn those into repeat customers so if you means. started if you started selling weed to somebody on grinder would you continue to message with them on grinder as like your signal app or whatever no no because i would be uh, banned off grinder all the time and i would have to make new accounts okay so i would try to move the conversation to text as quickly as possible right i do remember you getting caught for that and my boss being like I heard Slava did something bad and I was like, what? Oh, do you mean the selling weed on grinder thing? And he was like, wait, that was it. And then he just started laughing. So I think I, I think I may have inadvertently extended your employment advice by like a few weeks (laughs) because of that. Um, Thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay. Uh, welcome to Noisy. Or- whoa, whoa, whoa. Holy shit. Not say that. Yeah. Welcome to Nerzy, uh, <laughs> the number one podcast for getting advice about how to sell drugs on an app. I'm like pretty sure you can that either. But, oh. All right. Welcome to Nerzy. The podcast that is about stuff. Uh, the, the podcast that got DJ Drama back is Chain. Uh, 
What happened to DJ Drama's chain? Don't ask me, man. I wasn't there. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Uh, some things you just don't need to know, I guess. Um, today we have on our second guest, uh, and perhaps final, um, Alex Ross. Um, Alex, do you want to say hi? Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, Alex is a former colleague of ours at the uh, media shop we used to all work at. Yeah, he's, uh, what have you been up to, Alex? Uh, since since 2016? Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to think. There was a pandemic. We did that for a while. So we were inside for a while. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now I'm in Canada. That's great. Great place. Um, a big fan of that. I got married, got a dog. Um, Congratulations. I, I'm, thank you. And I, and I still work in the content mines is the one thing I haven't managed to change. I'm sorry about that. Uh, you um, know. Uh, how did, what'd you say, Trey? At least he's working, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But how did you get to Canada? My, um, my then girlfriend was living is from here originally and was uh and was living here and we were long distance while i was in in new york for a while while i was working for the fader my first year there and then the beginning of the pandemic i uh i came up here for what i thought would be three weeks while we like flattened the curve um oh wow now we're married and uh have a dog so <laughs> i haven't left um which i probably in hindsight should have seen coming when i came up that first week of the pandemic but um yeah, we didn't flatten that curve. So, yeah. That is a wild story. I So, like, when you said, like, you couldn't leave, you meant, like, you could not leave. Well, yeah, back then I couldn't. And then I came back to New York for a while in, like, the summer of 2021 when things started opening up in, in the States. And Canada was still, like, extreme. Ontario in particular was, like, extremely locked down. Um, mm. And I was like, gosh, I can, like, go and have a beer at a bar, which is just completely anathema like we just weren't allowed to do that at all um did you go to clando <laughs> no no i didn't I, I distinctly remember the first outdoor pint i had in a year was at the brooklyn inn which was perfect and i was thrilled about it um but i and then yeah i like did it for like three months i stayed in new york and then started looking at apartments to live in long term and uh, started looking at one-bedroom apartments in New York. And then I was like, oh, no, fuck no. I want to go back to Canada. This is, this is <laughs> fucking insane. Are you kidding me? We went to look around one apartment. I can't remember where it was. Because I was looking with my with my now wife. Because we were like, well, you know, you're going to be visiting a lot. You may as well see if you like the place. And everything fucking sucked. Like, every apartment we looked at was just, like, mold everywhere. Like, no windows. Like, right over the BQE. We found one that was like, oh, we're still pretty near the BQE. And I was like, we can deal with that. It was like a top floor apartment. I looked at it online. It was gorgeous. Like this huge studio place, beautiful kitchen, all open plan, little bedroom, but who cares? You had this whole living room <laughs> and, and this like beautiful tiled, like weird, it was like a black mosaic tile bathroom. And I was like, it's a little bit disco for me, but like, it's cool. It's like objectively fucking cool. I was wondering what was wrong with it. It was still two grand a month. I was like, I can't afford that, but I'm going to give it a shot. And then we went to the ground and uh, the ceilings were like five foot 10. <laughs> well, I spend the whole time just walking around like this 
and and earnestly said to my girlfriend, well, I, like I sit down a lot, so it might not be an issue. And as soon as I said that, I was like, I think I think I need to go back to a place where I can have like stairs. This is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> well, how tall are you and how tall is your wife then girlfriend? I'm I'm six foot six one. My, my wife, <laughs> she would have been able to do it. She wouldn't have had clearance. Like sometimes it's nice to like do this. You know, like mm. to hold your hand, there's audio medium. But like, it's nice to like hold your hand, to yawn, for example. <laughs> you wouldn't have been able to do. Um, it was it was a very weird, weird spot. And yeah, there was just no, it just seemed like, um, like that year as well, that year of COVID, I think we can all agree, like we came out probably a little bit more grizzled and fucked up after it. And we just like, I didn't really have the um, patience to go back to like having two roommates and living in like... I don't know, like somewhere in bed and just like being like, no, this is great. I'll like bike everywhere because I'm not near a subway stop. I just, I was like, no, this is fine. That's fair. Although everyone should live at some point in an apartment where you can't stand up. Um, my <laughs> second apartment in New York City when I was 23, we it's advertised as a four bedroom and it was like lofts and have I told the story before on this? Okay. And the guy, the manager of the building was like, listen, so these are lofts. Uh, we'll have a fourth bedroom built in here by the time you move in, because there were only three bedrooms when we actually looked at it. And so move in day comes and there's still only three bedrooms. And so I drew the short straw and had to <laughs> sleep in like a blanket fort that I made in the middle of the living room for a while. And then after like three weeks, they sent in a contractor who erected a bedroom. Uh, the ceilings were like 10 feet tall. And so this guy erected a bedroom like horizontally in the living room so that part of the living room only had five feet of clearance and my bedroom only had five feet of clearance. And also I did not have a door and instead used a giant towel, uh, of a tiger that I got in Myrtle beach, South Carolina as my door. It was cool. It's weird that I'm 32 and I'm still sitting here thinking like pillow fort does sound kind of cool. Like a blanket fort objectively sounds kind of fun and comfy yeah it was kind of like camping yeah. it was paying 900 dollars a month to camp <laughs> yeah less than my deal every time i would go to new york i would always get an airbnb and they would really be a crapshoot for what you would get but one time it was just a mattress that a guy had put on top of like a space above his bedroom that was like barely even an attic um and you had to like crawl into it. It was like a little foxhole that he constructed. And it was like cheap, but understandably so. And then the other time there was like bunk beds involved. But uh, yeah, not fun. Uh, Trey, what's the worst apartment you've ever lived in? I've got pretty lucky. For the most part, I've had some like shitty apartment situations, but never like, it might just be the first place we moved in here. It was a... Uh, I moved up to New York because my girlfriend at the time 
got a job up here and I just finished up my master's program and I was trying to figure out like, well, am I going to stay in DC or am I going to go to New York and try to find a job? Maybe Philly. I don't know. And she was like, I got a job in New York. And I was like, okay, decision made. (laughs) And, uh, we moved into a place with her and, uh, not going to say anything mean about these people, but, uh, three of our college friends. And it was just, uh, there were like all these cold wars about who did the dishes and stuff. Like, they were constantly calling the fire department for stuff like the two for the like, yeah, the two for like the vent or whatever on the back of the dryer would come off. We did have mm-hmm. angry washer dryer and they would like call the fire department. And then I get angry texts about like, why'd you leave weed out there? And I'm like, why the fuck did you call the fire department? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, one time like I came home and I was already pissed off because it was after uh, I remember this vividly. Uh, yeah, man, you had just beat Liverpool three. No. And I came home, this this was about like 2013, 14. Oh no, 14, 15, actually. I came home and I was like, what's that smell like? We had a dog in the house at the time. That's a whole nother story. Um, but the dogs running around, I smell something. I just hear the roommates upstairs like, Trey, don't light anything. The, the gas is on, there's a gas leak. Da, da, da. And I'm like, what are you talking? First of all, why did y'all run upstairs instead of out the house if there's a gas leak? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Second of all, like, I know for a fact this can't be a gas leak because y'all don't know how to do anything. <laughs> I simply walk over to the stove and check it and one of the knobs is on. <laughs> and it's like, man, fuck y'all. And I turn it off and I start opening windows like, guys, it's fine. Like, you know, we already called the fire department. They're on the way. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> I love that your roommates thought that the fire department was the super of your building. (laughs) (laughs) And like, there was just all sorts of other stuff. Like they insisted on getting this place. And like, mind you, it was a nice place, but the big selling point was there's an apple tree in the backyard. Nobody wanted to clean up the apple. So we always had rats back there and shit. (laughs) That's the most New York shit I can imagine. Like these are people who would leave like pizza boxes, like with half a pizza in it next to the recycling and then be upset that we had mice. (laughs) <laughs> and i'm like yo stop doing that just stop doing it but like it was on the contractor too because like for some reason they just did not put insulation in the walls yeah uh, and so, okay <laughs> yeah and it yeah and so like it all fell apart one day when uh because the pipes were freezing and it was just like oh just leave it running and then that wasn't working it was like okay well they had this little gadget that we had to uh connect to the pipe that was in one uh, girl's room and she just like i don't want to leave like that thing open because bugs might come out well it's like well you know you pick this room and like that's affects the whole house you kind of have to eat this one and so one day i just wake up this is like must be like five in the morning and i wake up to the dog screaming and so i walk down to the stairs and uh there's just water gushing out one of the walls <laughs> Like, you know, legit, just like going like straight horizontal out one of the walls. And I'm like, I must be sleepwalking. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go back upstairs and go to sleep because it's And I did. I just went back upstairs. And then like half an hour later, I hear them screaming. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I like the I'm just standing on the steps looking at them, like <laughs> trying to use pots and throw it in the sink and stuff. And I'm like, I'm just like, man. <laughs> And then, like, almost like, it, you know, it was like the comedic timing and uh, 
like in hindsight was incredible because then water starts gushing out of the another wall opposite of it. <laughs> I just like went upstairs and emailed my boss at the time. I was like, I'm not coming into work today, man. Like I <laughs> I think that you opened yeah, this story by saying, like, yeah, I've never lived anywhere that's actually bad. It's, it was more just like the internal politics. It's actually like a rat infested place with no walls. It's like constantly flooding. Like this was the fucked up thing is like this was all manageable, too. It's just a bunch of people who didn't feel like they had to manage anything. I don't know, bro. That sounds haunted to me. Mm, good point. It, well, yeah, it was haunted by like physical ghosts <laughs> who all also paid rent there. Yeah. <laughs> And then, I don't like, understand how water was bursting in like multiple walls. Like, were you living like in a fucking submarine in the East River or something? Like I like I said, this was also on the contractor as well. For building the house in underwater? On top of a dam. Well, for not making sure that like the house was properly insulated and like this kind of shit wouldn't happen. You know? Yeah. What was your rent though? Uh, it was thirty five for the whole place, and there and was, was like five of you. Yeah, so it was me and my girlfriend at the time shared a room, and then one of her friends was on the top floor with us, and then it was like the next floor was like living room, kitchen, whatever. Mm-hmm. They insisted on getting a picnic table for the kitchen too. That no. just that kind of bewildered me, but <laughs> no. yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then the other two lived downstairs. Okay. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just a wild fucking situation, man. Yeah. And then like by this time it's late March, contractors come and fix everything, and like, they agree to give us free rent for the rest of the lease, as long as yeah, as long as we all stayed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have a house meeting about it, and it's like, okay, well, you know, it is getting warmer outside. This isn't going to be a problem. And, like, it would be cool if we could all just, like, stack up before our next move. And two of them like, oh, we already found a place together. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it's like, man, fuck y'all. <sighs> They're like, Trey, this house isn't built place. I'm like, your brains aren't built the right way, man. Like, why wouldn't <laughs> Yeah. Like, stop calling the fucking, yeah, FDNY for every fucking thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the dishwasher doesn't work. Yeah. And it's not even, like... You know, there's like one layer between the building super or the landlord and the fire department, and that's three one one. But like, uh, anyways. So uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Let me drink some water. I'm getting riled up just thinking about this again. <laughs> well, if y'all couldn't tell, this is uh, the sports episode. Uh, we are. Wait, is it? Your birthday, Slava? It is. Yeah. Oh shit! Happy birthday, Slava! Happy birthday! Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I wanted to. Thirty-three. The big, the big Larry Bird. I wanted to start this episode off. Uh, all of us singing "Happy Birthday" to Slava. Ah, how sweet! Yeah. But you don't have to do that. This is not um, a Moxie's. All right, we'll say this again. Alex gets that joke. Alex gets that joke because he's a real Canadian boy. I can tell. You guys don't even know what Moxie's is. Yeah. What? What's that like? A um, Apple Jacks? What do you guys have over there? Mm, you know, upscale Applebee's. Oh, yeah. There's, Hooters is like. Place, there's a place called Twin Peaks that isn't in everywhere, but it's supposed to be like a little classier Hooters, I think. No, there was a 
gang there was a motorcycle gang battle at a Twin Peaks. <laughs> oh shit. Okay, never mind. Oh, was that the one in Los Santos? I think it was in Texas. Um this oh, was like a few years ago. That's, that's fine, man. They'll they'll have a motorcycle gang battle outside the palm in Texas, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um well yeah, I guess Twin Peaks, but also Hooters. So is Moxie's just like upscale Hooters is what you're saying. What makes it an upscale Hooters? Um, there's still show and skin. Okay. Right. Uh, it's app heavy. Nobody's really like, you know, sitting down for a three course meal there. Um, and the bar is decent and they got some sports on. That's just Hooters. Like Hooters main mm. thing is wings and wings unaccompanied by a side are an app i'm not, I'm not making okay this place requires judgment. the use of utensils without meaning to make a value judgment here i would argue against the idea that hooters thing is wings i would say this is kind of nice that wouldn't be like that might be in the top three but it's like probably not the number one thing that people associate with hooters in like the family feud round okay right yeah yeah um it's actually so hold on i googled them <laughs> But you're looking at Moxie's? Yeah. Yeah, this is just... This it's is just I-E-S, right? Okay, so like the waitresses and stuff are doing Hooter things or... I mean, what is, what are, what's Hooter things? What are, what are Hooter things? Like, like the uniforms or whatever and the... Yeah, they're like, they're flirty. They're asking you how your day was. They're not rubbing your back or nothing like that. So this is just like any Miami restaurant. I'm looking at this menu real quick. Hold on. Don't worry. We'll, we'll save singing happy birthday till the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be the sign off. Thank you. Um, so it, basketball is over. Um, how do we feel about the results? Man, uh, who's playing? That is your opinion, Slava. When is when's the, when the final start? Is it? This Saturday? Um, well, I was just mad because a Serbian won the title. Yes. Bro, not only did a fucking Serbian win the title, but a Serbian is now the fucking head coach of the Toronto Raptors, bro. I'm going to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> it's a fucking Serbian boy summer. Did you see Masai yeah. Udiri's, uh comment on that as well? Like extremely stilted in the press conference being like, yeah, this is a good time to be uh, a Serbian, I guess, is the main thing. And uh, I wish my name was Masai Ujirjovic. <laughs> you know that, like, there's that particular sound of, um, you get it in the Premier League as well. It's a little bit more of a boys' club there. But that particular sound of, like, a press conference, like, politely laughing at a dumb fucking thing that somebody on the stage has said. It was just, yes. like, absolute. And then you combine that with, like, polite Canadianness. Um, it was just beautiful. It was to a T. It was like music. Plus, you have to remember that in Toronto, the same team that own the the same company that owns the team also owns the media publications. Right. <laughs> right. So you know they've got gloves on the whole time, which has been the best part about seeing Nick Nurse get interviewed <laughs> by Philly media. reporters. They were just like, "Yeah, wasn't it like, yeah? Would you, uh, what do you think about like, do you want James Harden back on the team?" He was like, "Well, he's a great player." Like, you didn't answer the question, bitch. Yes. <laughs> like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah, Nick Nurse has been on like a media tour trial by fire. 
Um, and he keeps saying like, oh yeah, I've, I've been talking to every single player about like what they're going to do next time. And he says he's talked to James Harden. Don't believe it. Also don't believe that he wants James Harden back. No, no, you wouldn't, would you? James Harden's like, it's an, kind of an incredible situation for Harden. I know we're like already miles away from the finals, but it's kind of incredible to be like, as objectively good as, as Harden is and can be. And like was devastating in the pick and roll with, with Embiid, obviously like, like the numbers on that, I think are just astronomical. Like I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I don't know too, but like I listened to enough of the Zach Lowe podcast to be like, oh, that sounds like it would really hurt teams if they just ran that all the time. And he's simultaneously like, would is is probably not wanted by his head coach at the Sixers and would probably go to the Rockets and fucking destroy their future. Like everybody should be trying to steer clear of this objectively incredible player. And he's just toxic. No, the Lakers. It's not that he's toxic as much as like he's like kind of a drunk <laughs> and like <laughs> uh he but he still works out a lot and so he's convinced that like all of the drinking he does doesn't have an effect on his body and physical <laughs> performance do you know who phil kessel is no what's that phil kessel is the closest analogy in the nhl to james harden just like a phenomenal scorer generational player looks like absolute dog shit. Like, uh, fucking Phil Kessel looks like Kiefer Sutherland in a fat suit, like three rounds deep. And he was shite in fucking Toronto, but then he went on to win three cups, including one just now with Vegas. So that's kind of what Harden has to become. Just a gun for hire. This guy's just like a Letterkenny character pretty much. Yeah, but you got to remember, like pretty much. But he's American okay. descent of of the of the NHL as a Latikani character. Like it, like Fair none enough. of the like like Slav is saying that Phil Kessel is is physically unattractive, and that may be true, but he's probably in the top thirty percent of handsomest NHL dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have to wear like face protection in the NHL? Yeah, but it's like down to here. It's like a like a vis like a visor that comes down to here. If I'm a pro hockey player, I'm wearing a football mask. Dude, I'm wearing a fucking suit of armor. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like a suit of armor would be bad because you would still, like, get jarred by the pucks. Like, you need some sort of padding rather than simply, like, just, like, wrapping yourself in a Volvo. I'd wear a fucking soundproofed suit of armor. Okay. Yeah. Just like uh, staple some pizza boxes to the inside of it. I'm good to go. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm. Um, and your old roommates, they have some uh, with pizza still <laughs> in it, which is extra cushioning. Yeah. You take a little snack during the game and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and to end up in the penalty box or whatever. Yeah. Got two minutes to put down that last of that crust. There you go. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Slava, you know how to make a hockey rink, right? 
Uh, yeah, I thought you were going to ask if I know how to make a, a body, uh, a suit of body armor with some magazines. And I was going to tell you, yeah, I do. I saw a guy do it in jail. Okay, well, but a hockey both, ring. Both, yeah. Tell both things now. Well, I think I just told okay. the first one. Uh, but uh, a hockey rink, there was a program to build the hockey rink in jail, but uh, they, they stopped self. Why do you ask? Oh, I just remember uh, when you were in jail and we would have our like weekly calls. One time you told me, I'm going to learn how to make hockey rinks. And I was like, damn, Slav is at summer camp that he can't leave. Yeah. So that program was specifically stopped because there was like not enough staffing because so many of them quit due to COVID Mm. and they just didn't have the numbers to like uh, supervise that specific program. But typically they do build hockey rinks and then the inmates will play against each other. But they uh, they just did more uh, indoor hockey that year. But it is kind of like uh, adult summer camp. Like on Monday, it was volleyball. Tuesday was hockey. Wednesday was basketball. Then hockey again. Then basketball again. And then badminton between uh, between times. And then in the summer, there's bocce ball. Um, there's a mini golf course. Baseball. Diamond. Soccer. Um, all right. How, all right. How- Finals did you guys watch? Because I think one I watched game. like, yeah, I watched like game. I watched some of game one, then I watched game two, and then some of game three. And I was like, oh, I kind of know where this was going. They actually put up a fight in that last game. Like three quarters in, it seemed like the Heat were going to win. Um, yeah, but like that's the thing, man. Like Jokic just wanted to go home, man. He just wanted to go back to. <laughs> like riding his horses and shit like he was sick of being here he was like this should have been a sweep i'm pissed off like yeah ungrateful yes He's so ungrateful yeah. did you, you know did you guys watch him to be in his position he should be he's like yo i got a, I got a w2 like everybody else man fuck this i just want to go home yeah he did you guys watch class. his like post game uh press conference <laughs> yeah that was incredible yeah. just being like uh you know I don't like my job. No one likes their job. Yeah. Some people like their job, but they are lying. Or <laughs> instead of they, he always says he. <laughs> like I saw someone tweet like uh, Jokic has like the true immigrant mentality. It's like come to America, work hard, send the money home and get the fuck out when you can. <laughs> um, yeah, I love his cart horses. They're they're majestic beasts. He really loves that. the Durant tweet about him just wanting to go home and FaceTime his horses. I don't know why Durant tweeted <laughs> that because of all the things that all, of all the Kevin Durant tweets, that one was I, it was perfect. Um, I don't want to be all like fucking you know like oh who can relate you know like but I did compared to the kind of like grind set stuff that you normally hear from NBA players. I mean, like, look, everybody's done an about turn on on Jimmy Butler, and rightly so. It would have been absolutely magical if that guy could have won a ring. Like, I'm all for it. But it, it's kind of, that shit is insufferable, like, very quickly. <laughs> like, the, the kind of just like, yeah, man, I just like, I dreamed it harder because of my belief mentality. And it's like, I don't know, this guy just really likes horses, and he just wants to go home and, like, drink some sort of grappa. I, it's kind of charming. He, and he's like, watching him on the court, it, it looks like that too. It's not that he doesn't want to be there. It's just, he doesn't play basketball like a guy who's trying very hard. He plays he basketball just, he's like- just doing this so he can afford his horses, you know? Right. Yeah. And, he, 
and like he's been he's been given this sort of gift that's simultaneously a curse that he's a foot and a half taller than the average human being made entirely out of mashed potatoes and like he's incapable of missing a field goal and he he knows that the only way for him to make enough money to like have lots of beautiful horses is to keep scoring the points it's there is a beauty to it you know he he this is the thing he can do and and he just has to keep doing it that's real although we did just talk about how the main thing James Harden wants to do is like drink an entire bottle of like Ciroc at a strip club and he does basketball to afford that. And maybe it's just because Harden's on the Sixers and they lost and I live in Philadelphia, <laughs> but I'm annoyed with him. He, he's also gone, he also just goes missing in big moments in a way that, which is fine. I mean, we should all have the right to, to suck at our jobs at important times. Like, that's, that's fine. He's, he's a fucking super athlete in the top 0.0001% of athletes in the world. And, and if he, like, occasionally goes missing in game sevens, well, like, who am I to judge? But to judge him quickly, like, Jokic is, is likable because he, I would, I find, because he, He's already having that success. He's had two like back-to-back MVPs. Argument he could have had it again this year. And every time I turned on the TV to to what I just caught like chunks of every game. When it when it didn't look like the fucking SOM out there, and there were just like people grabbing onto ankles and just like random people <laughs> falling on the floor and just like it was just absolute carnage. When it wasn't like that, it was just Jokic just kind of barreling towards, like very slowly barreling towards the hoop and then effortlessly playing it up um he he transcend completely transcended he was the thing that made this feel inevitable and i know that's often true of superstars but whenever he had the board it was like oh he's gonna score there's no way he's not gonna score the second he fell backwards while tomahawking the ball <laughs> over his head from the three-point line and it went in i was like this is over <laughs> this man knows all of the secrets he has developed new techniques uh they will need to reteach all basketball technique now um like yeah the like fall backwards tomahawk three is like the iphone of shots like it just you gotta you gotta rip up the playbook I think Dude, he I has you guys can... fooled there's a there's a rico case coming against Jokic. i can feel it <laughs> I mean, you would know. Yeah. That's, that's like, exactly. I know the playbook. I've seen it before. You act big and goofy, and no one ever sees it coming. He, that, you know, how people like got used to get like proper basketball men used to get mad at Steph Curry because it was like, well, now when you go down to like your local park, you see kids pulling up the three, and they're not focusing on the fundamentals. I love the idea that there are just kids in like like Brampton, Ontario, sitting there with a basketball, like falling backwards and trying to hit a tomahawk three. Just like yeah, all of them, sure. one by one. Yeah. Well, the reason that was on my mind was because Emily and I went to the basketball court today to just like shoot around. And I saw like teenagers trying that shot. No shit. What? Yes. That's great. That's awesome. So, yeah. Um, what's funny is also all of the teenagers will just scream out random basketball players names when they're trying to do a move um and it's always either 
it's usually Ja Morant or Zion Williamson. Hmm. But then the other day I listened to a kid scream Al Horford as he was like, (laughs) (laughs) as he was like getting a rebound. Marcus Camby. (laughs) That actually used to be a way to kind of diss somebody in jail is that you would call out their closest comparison. Um, So I would get like Alex Caruso a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I would go up and do so. Oh, look out. Here comes Alex Caruso. Um, Yeah. I'm just imagining if they had 538, uh, if you guys could have like looked at 538 and you could have shown them the like Raptor rankings they do and be like, no, look, Alex Caruso is technically the 10th best player in the league according to this math. Well, check it out. Apparently in the medium institution where there's like three times the population, there were guys who would keep score during the game of how many rebounds everybody got, how many points, how many minutes they played. And the leagues there would like do trades and stuff. It was uh, apparently intense. Nice. Like there was like an on paper fantasy basketball league. No, like in like actual players. Oh, yeah. Well, so, what like, is Canadian prison, dude? It honestly, man, like it's not great. Like I, I think I'm just like overselling it. It's bad still. Like you shouldn't do crime, obviously, because like there are consequences and they're really bad. Anybody who can't see, like, Slava's winking furiously right now. No, I'm not. Don't do that. Come on. (laughs) It's bad. Don't. He's got both fingers crossed on each hand right now. (laughs) Um, I'm going to start singing the Beatles songs so we can't uh, put this out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would assume that, you know... Getting a being very publicly humiliated in the media, and then being arrested and like being in front of a judge and then going to jail probably a pretty emotionally intense experience. And also, uh, an easy way to sort of like process that is to focus on all of the funny shit and weird shit that happened during that time of which there clearly was a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like you really just have to keep looking for the silver lining, no matter how bad the shit storm really gets. But then to um, go all that and still be called Alex Caruso, that's just like, you've been through enough. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Caruso was the nice one, man. They were going back through the history books. They were like finding old white guys that like, I forgot even existed. Scott Pollard? What? <laughs> yeah. Some old motherfucker told me, uh, called me Scott Pollard. Because I, because he he was like shooting threes a lot. So instead of Trey Young, I would call him, get ready, Trey Old. Wow. Oh. Got his ass. Yeah, got him, right? No, he got me so much worse. Yeah, he called me Scott Pollard. <laughs> Google Scott Pollard. It's not like a favorable comparison. Um. All right. Uh, oh yeah. Well, right. let's let's talk about. Looks like John about, Fetterman. 
John Fetterman can't hoop. He wears basketball shorts, but that dude definitely can't hoop. You think he wears them instead of boxers? No, no, no. He wears them instead of like pants. Like he is on the Senate floor in a Carhartt hoodie and big basketball shorts. Respect. Yeah. Paul, Paul Remember that time they made him wear a suit and he just looked miserable? Yes. Yeah. Can't believe they did that to him. I know. Scott um, kind of looks like a shrinky dink version of Steven Adams. Oh, Ouch. yeah. But Steven Adams is like probably the strongest man in basketball. There yeah. will be flashes where Steven Adams will show his true strength. And I honestly feel like if any human being were capable of going Super Saiyan, Steven Adams might be the closest one. Yeah. Doesn't he have tribal tattoos? Yeah. yeah. He, well, he's part of a tribe. Part of a tribe. What? Have you seen a picture of him with his um with his siblings? He's one of thirteen, I think. Oh wow! And they're all yeah, isn't like, he like part native New Zealander or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if not yeah. entirely, yeah. Um, and apparently wow. just one of the nicest blokes as well. But yeah, he's. I think and a lot of his siblings are um are athletes as well. So like one of his sisters is a shot putter, and and they're just all fucking massive. Um, look up the picture of them with with his siblings, with, like all of the siblings together. It's um, it's remarkable. Well, yeah, now I, I like feel like an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I think he's like years old too. Yeah, I think he's like Maori or something like that. Like, uh... oh wow, okay. He's twenty nine years old. Wait, really? You're fucking kidding yeah. me. Nineteen ninety three. That's insane. Yeah, his dad's from England and his mom's from Tonga. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. I take back uh, the fact that I brought up he had tribal tattoos because obviously I was going for an easy easy dunk <laughs> there. Um, hey, man, look, you learn something every day, you know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, now you know the- that the Dutch people buy the tribal tattoos. Yeah. Nersey is a podcast uh that is pro learning learning pro forgiveness pro rehabilitation appropriation um all right uh one last thing i want to talk about in regards to the finals okay is conor mcgregor knocking out the dude and the the heat (laughs) okay what what is this apparently he had to go to the hospital do you really think that's real Look, man, if anybody's going to, like, think he's jokingly, like, shadow boxing with somebody or whatever and then just hit him for no reason out of nowhere, it's Conor McGregor. No, I feel like it's put on by Conor McGregor. This whole stunt is put on by Conor McGregor to get free publicity and, like, no one really got hurt. How do you, how would you even punch someone in a mascot head hard enough to hurt them? It's impossible. Because you're, you're a professional punching yeah. people in the face, sir. Like, yeah. It's not like I went out there and did it and, like, he did a backflipper. It's like he was selling it, like, <laughs> when The Rock used to get Stone Cold stunnered and he's, like, flipping around like a fish. Like, no, nah, I legit think that guy got hurt. So the advert, the, the idea was it was trying to, he was trying to get PR for a, um, like a, a spray, like an anti-pain spray, like an ibuprofen spray or something, right? I think. And now we're talking about it. And well, we are, but what was the, I only know that because I looked it up because what it looks like happens is he, he beats the shit out of the, the mascot in Miami, right? So like, 
there are kids there who who like revere and adore the mascot. I assume if I if I mean I certainly did with my sports well, teams uh, growing up. I mean, yeah, when I was growing up, G Man for the Wizards, yeah. And then he he then proceeds to spray the mascot in the face, which if you don't know anything about the context of it, looks like he's sort of macing him. It's really violent. It's like quite upsetting. <laughs> it's like a bunch of socios in the crowd screaming like... <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. It's time for those kids to realize that uh, it's time to grow up. Mascots aren't real. And I have you profen spray is the one true god. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's like we live in a world you could be a sheep or a wolf, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what is the heat's mask? Is it just like a a giant anthropomorphic flame or something? Yeah, I, I think his name is like Heaty or some shit like that. Or hot. <laughs> Bernie. I wish that's that they... quite clever. That's clever. Yeah, Bernie. Yeah. Well, Bernie got fucking burned. Yeah. Um, yeah. They should have called him Hot Hot Heat. In honor of that band from two thousand three. Yeah, who can what tell? Like nineteen ninety five, based on Michael Mann's magnum opus heat. Mm. <laughs> um, I was listening. I've been listening to a lot of Locks lately, and there's an incredibly funny line uh, where Styles P goes. I'm like Pacino and De Niro. Call me Paniro. And, Perfect. Yeah. I mean, no, no. yeah. Listen, sometimes you just, you have like two good bars, and you just have to link them with a with a third bar, and mm-hmm. hope that it isn't like a clunker that like hangs over you. <laughs> What's going on with why? Uh, so the prosecution's case has basically fallen apart. Really? Like three days in, uh, they have like absolutely no evidence to link Melly to the scene to link Melly. They don't have the gun that he allegedly used. Like they can't even say he was even present when the murders happened. Like there's even Melly, like there's a shot of him in court on camera where he just like kind of when he hears that, like, the prosecution can't place the gun on him or tell, like, what gun was used, he's just, like, like even he looks surprised and he, like, tries to hide it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, man. It's, I mean, uh, we kept this man in prison for years. We didn't, yeah, he didn't get to enjoy all the success of murder on my mind. And yeah. I mean, this seems like a genuine issue is like the right to a speedy trial is like very rarely honored it seems especially often in high profile cases like taxstone was in rikers island for five fucking years awaiting trial and that is obviously not good (laughs) there's actually a law in canada it's called the jordan rule or the jordan law it says that if your trial takes longer than 32 months to process by through no fault of your own, just because of like legal bureaucratic bullshit, your case gets thrown out. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's not the worst rule in the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, but the, of course, like, if you are the one extending it because you're, like, pleading not guilty and, like, you want this added and that added, then that doesn't work in your favor. It's like, if you want to process it as fast as possible and it's the government that's slowing you down, then you get to benefit from that. I mean, yeah, that, that seems fair. That seemed, that's a good law. Uh, we will trade you... America will trade you Rico and a second round 2027 draft pick for the Jordan law. Um, you have to throw in Tory Lanez. Oh. As in we have to keep him? Yeah, yeah. No. You have to absorb that contract. Can no, we do like, saying, we'll take we him back. We'll take him back. We'll England. And like, <laughs> yeah. We're going to take back Tory Lanes and we're going to rehabilitate him in the Canadian prison system. And then we're going to wait till he gets out. Then we're going to give him a job with the CBC and give him like a cooking show. This is a good segment. (laughs) I like this. You should do a weekly segment called Who Says No? And you just go and trade these fuckers around. It's great. (laughs) See if England can absorb the worst guys and just treat them like the Charlotte Hornets or something. It's great. Yeah. Dirk had a song or he had a verse on like a Drake song and um, he revealed something about himself where what okay all right well okay well hang on a second Here's first off thing. i want to say that nursey is not a podcast that does kink shaming however oh no we're not shaming at all this is about the celebration of kink right now like, <laughs> like as someone who sat down and you know speaking to kevin gates uh sat down and heard some of the wildest shit in my life a few years ago interviewing kevin gates it's nice to see other people coming out and support to be like nah man i like this shit too like have you ever you i'm not gonna go in that deep into it but it's nice to hear rappers say shit that they wouldn't have said like a decade ago out of fear of you know being shamed that's fair uh, yeah yeah wasn't there or i feel like there was a time when my youtube homepage algorithm uh just kept serving me video after video of you, Trey, talking to Kevin Gates. Like, how many times have you made a YouTube video with that guy? Once. Okay. Well, they kept giving it a different headline or something. Yeah. So, okay. So the full story behind that was, uh, it was a Friday during the summer. Kevin Gates was supposed to show up around like noon for the interview. And I was like, okay. So... He'll be here at noon, which really means he'll be here around like 1230, 1245. So I'll pop an edible by then, do this interview. And by the time I'm out the interview, uh, edible will have kicked in and I go enjoy my summer Friday. Um, Kevin Gates showed up around two. 
I was about to say, as someone who has arranged interviews in an office with Kevin Gates before, he did not show up on time. Yeah, we didn't get started until about 2.30, and uh, I'm in the throes of this shit. And um, if anybody wants to go look up this interview, you can. It's a noisy interview from about 2019. You can probably also just scroll through Instagram for enough of it. But you prefer it when it's raining outside, when it's like real dry heat or like humidity, like right in the middle. Oh my God. Can I be explicit in nature? Say whatever, yeah, yeah. If it's humid, I wanna just get that coconut oil, that diversion coconut oil, like the liquid kind, the 100%, and put it in a spray bottle. And I wanna go outside in my backyard, and I wanna put some latex gloves on, you heard me? And I want a big booty to just bend over outside, and I wanna spray that with that bottle while I punch that dick in her from the back. I'm sorry, that's just what I like to do. I like to fuck outside. Yeah, he, I knew he was quite the interviewee, but I did not expect him to answer some of my, I didn't even like line up questions for him to say some of this shit, but he started like things involving black gloves and coconut oil and clearings in the woods and talking about how he's like an elephant because his trunk is in the front too. And <laughs> yeah, I, I could have been like completely not high and I wouldn't have known how to respond to some of this shit, but yeah. <laughs> How high were you? How many milligrams was the edible? Uh, I took about 15 milligrams, so it wasn't crazy, but it was just like, That's you know, lot. I wasn't. Was yeah. Kevin Gates, yeah. for Kevin Gates interaction. Mm. Kevin was. Gates has a thought-stopping effect on people. Like, he says things <laughs> that short-circuit your mind. Like, I once interviewed him uh at a mall he like took me shopping for an interview i did with him and at one point uh he just starts talking about how much he loves twilight which i was prepared for because he has rapped about like twilight he has an entire song about edward and bella war with god and he's definitely rapped about nicholas sparks before and i was like oh you're from louisiana uh, do you also like True Blood? And he was like, no. I was born under a full moon. I'm a werewolf. I see it. Yeah. And all, and you, can like, do, all you can really do is be like, oh, okay. Tell me more about that. Mm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, he was, we were having this conversation as he was trying on Red Bottoms. Sick. Yeah. Like the spiky ones? Uh, I don't know. I just remember we were in the Louboutin store um, talking about werewolves and moons and stuff. And I think he like said that I was born under a full moon like a couple times throughout the day. Was that you were? He was saying this. He was saying that you were born under a full moon. No, 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 he was saying that he was born under a full moon. Oh, obviously, yeah. Do you think, yeah. he, like, he definitely knows his birth chart off by heart. Yes. Yeah. He's a, he's like a big Zodiac guy. I'm kind of like a Zodiac guy. 
And like the crazy thing about Kevin Gates is like he'll say all this wild stuff and then just pop up with the wisest thing you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because like after uh, I did the interview, I stuck around. I was like, I just got to hear him talk some more because they were doing uh, the people's verse with him. Mm-hmm. And there was one comment where he like somebody asked him to give advice to like his nephew who's still in the streets and like needs to get out. And Kevin Gates, like, he gave this whole thing about his life. He's like, and then I realized if nothing changes, nothing changes. And my high ass is sitting there like, oh, shit. (laughs) I still think about that phrase, like, to this day. Just if nothing changes, nothing changes. It was like. Oh, when he just just told that story about how he uh, rubbed his hands together and charged a woman's car battery. And he was like, say nothing of this. I believe (laughs) that. I genuinely believe oh, that happened. I, I mean, why would he lie about that? Exactly. Exactly. It's a weird thing to lie about. It feels like easily like disproven. <laughs> what is this? And and then he also say like, yo, I swear on my child. Yep, that's exactly why I believe him. When Kevin Gates said that he started the car battery with his bare hands. And he he swore on his child about this. Yeah, he said, like, I, he also, he says stuff like that a lot, because, like, I think during one of my interviews, or my interview with him, he was like, yo, may God strike me down right now if I'm lying. And I'm okay. like, okay, well, I'm still talking to you, so, yeah. All right, this so, is part of the reason we have Alex on today. Uh, yeah. Known Englishman, uh, Fulham fan, uh, knower of all things going on in the world <laughs> of I this mean, sport. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, um, like, so it's, I mean, the takeover of, it's been a, it's been a weird week for this, right? So how much, I mean, the, let's start, let's start from like the beginning and then get a little more specific towards the end. I mean, okay. So the thing is with the beginning that if you, you, you could go back to the professionalization of the sport in like late 19th century, because that's probably. Wait, wait, hang on a second. Are we talking about Messi going to Miami? Uh, well, there's a lot to talk about before that, because. What if he uh, going to Miami though? It's, like that, it's weird that he turns this down. It's weird that he turns Saudi Arabia down, given that he's one of their spokespeople and like a yeah. paid spokesperson for the state of Saudi Arabia. And was going to be making like five mil a week or some shit, probably. Yeah, and I mean, literally, just took a fine from Paris Saint Germain for take for going to on, on a on a promotional trip, on a PR trip to to Saudi, um, with like nauseating social posts and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, the, the the news part of it seems to be that two years on from the takeover of Newcastle being approved, and and the the Saudi investment fund, public investment fund. Um, take, taking over that club in the Premier League. Now they're investing like vast sums of money into, depending on how you look at it, either turning it into one of the top five, turning the Saudi League into one of the top five leagues in the world, or turning it into the second coming of the doomed Chinese Super League um, by just getting a bunch of sort of retirees um, and a handful of younger guys and throwing incom- like just incomprehensible sums of money at them and hoping that that'll do the job. Uh, the Wait, difference. is the Chinese Super League actually really good? No, uh, no Chinese Super League's kind of failed, to be honest with you. They tried it like a decade ago. They they put billions and billions of dollars into getting kind of washed up guys, like guys at the end of their career who weren't... Yeah, like Paco and Oscar and... Yeah, well, yeah, Oscar, Oscar was kind of... Who was the exception? Was it Oscar? Oscar was like the one exception because he was still young. They got him when he was still young. 
Yeah. And he was like about to enter his prime. But yeah, it was like Hulk and guys like that. Um, yeah, Drogba, didn't Eto go? Yeah, that sounds right. He was in Russia for a while. He may have ended up, it, but it was like, it didn't end up being impressive enough to sort of watch. And now the Saudi investment fund, which they have, they, they claim outwardly is in no way connected to the government of Saudi Arabia, which is patently kind of absurd. Um, is is investing billions of dollars into basically they've, they've bought the top four clubs or four clubs that they've cherry picked from the Saudi Arabian Pro League from the top league, and they're sort of treating them, I guess, like a commissioner would for like Major League Soccer in the nineties or something, where they're just being like, right, we're going to take Karim Benzema and we'll put him on Al Ittihad, and then we'll take Riyad Mahrez and put him on uh, like this team, and they're just sort of moving them around like that. Um, the thinking seemingly being that you need four, like a top four kind of sounds right. That's a good, you know, it's a good number, kind of what we have in England, kind Maybe of. Like somewhat competitive. Yeah. yeah, it makes it competitive. And so then eventually what you have is like a team full of glittering superstars at at the top four clubs. And then like some of the other clubs each have like a pretty good player, like a handful of pretty good players from abroad. And then a, a handful, like a smattering of good Saudi players. And look, the Saudi players are no joke. Like they, they beat Argentina, they beat the world champions at the world cup that the world champions won. So like that, they're, they're not a piss take. Um, but all of that's kind of by the by, because it's the, it's the, it's the ethical, I, I suppose it's the ethical consideration. I guess this is kind of where Drew comes in because it is um, like the, the parallel between what's just happened with Live Golf and the PGA Tour and what's happening in what's seemingly about to happen in in professional f- football soccer is Slobber, you, you know about the concept of sport washing? Sport washing? Is that where you kind of launder your money by buying sports teams that fail on purpose? You launder your right. It's not so much your money as it is your reputation. Yeah. Oh, well, isn't that just the way that things have always worked with that? Is that no like? Is that just a, a new word for a, a thing that's always been around? Kind of. It is. It's brilliant. like this is, this is on a much different scale than it's ever been done. It's like this isn't just like an American owner going and buying like a team in a foreign country or something. And this is like people with direct government ties going into places. And uh, it's kind of like what it's sort of like what Abramovich did at Chelsea, which like kind of started this whole era of this, but. He was like, you know, tangentially, not even tangentially, like directly connected to Putin, but it wasn't Putin owning the club. And uh, you have, damn, somebody's fucking up outside my house. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's like these state-owned entities or state-affiliated entities going in and uh, using these teams and investing a bunch of money in them to make them the best teams. Like sometimes legally, a lot of times they're, you know, dodging rules in certain ways, like Man City, who got bought out about a decade ago, they have 115 counts of like financial improprieties against them right now. So but Saudi soccer Arabia- as a whole is like super corrupt, right? Oh, absolutely. But like, it, I don't, I can't remember it ever being like this in your face. It- mm. It's where it's like people are just like nan nan boo boo. We're gonna do it, and you can't stop us because we have more money than God. Yeah, I think, but I think that corruption is um, it's it's not as it is insidious. But I think what Trey said is absolutely right. But like Ray Rato said this recently that like having an unlimited amount of money and really wanting to get something done is kind of undefeated in the history of all things. 
not just sports. Like if you have, they, they, they've said that the, the investment fund is going to put forward $750 billion towards investing in sports. If you have $750 billion to spend and you want to get something done, you fucking get it done. Like that's always been the case. And that, that corruption could just as easily apply to basketball and, and football, which it will soon, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just have a question. Do you think that they'll just have, turn around and buy the MLS? Like what stops them from doing that? <coughs> do, you, do you think at some point morals kick in or like some kind no. of sense of patriotism no. kicks in? Well, you, I mean, look, but I, I think well, it's, part, of, part of what's going on right now is Saudi is trying to prepare a bid for the 2030 World Cup. Yeah. And so to make Saudi Arabia more attractive and like as a host and stuff, they need like a like proper league and stuff. And they need. Yeah. So that's why, like, well, there's a few reasons why Ronaldo ended up there back in what was it? January. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, mainly because he also didn't have a club in Europe to go to after that shit he pulled with Piers Morgan. And then he's just also it's not a good idea for him to come to the U.S. at all. Right. Um, yeah. But wait, it, why? Why is that? What do you oh, mean by these things? You probably get super um, sued if you say anything, right? You shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So allegedly, as it was reported in a, a German newspaper, is uh, there are certain claims against Cristiano Ronaldo, which look to be pretty, uh, pretty substantial, mainly because he admitted to it in a police report. And there was a payment outside of court. And uh, recently, like people have been calling for those charges to be brought back up. Yeah. And if he touches, yeah, that's like part of the reason, like the teams he played for hasn't, haven't really been doing like U S preseason tours and shit. And yeah. Yeah. It's the Ronaldo. I mean, they, and they, they just backed the truckload of money up to him and, and, and dumped on him and he went over yeah. there and, and they still finished second in the league, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, also, like back in uh, December, he went on an interview with Piers Morgan to talk about how shit Manchester United was, like as he was still playing for them. Right. Okay. And, yeah. So he, no other club in Europe wanted him because it's like, nah, we're not going to put up with that shit. MLS could have been a big money move, but nah. So like, he pretty much only had Saudi Arabia to go to. Yeah. I mean, here's here's what I think it 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 comes down to. It, it, there's also there is this, the sports washing element is very real they are trying to launder their reputation um the saudi government is also i think trying to like invest in something that isn't just like gas um like trying to like diversify its portfolio essentially and this is a pretty good way of doing it like if you're gonna pump billions of dollars into anything like soccer golf anything like that the, the growth is could be exponential i mean golf's a little bit of a trickier one um, and you get fucking rubes who are going to defend you. So if you bring up Jamal Khashoggi, for example, in, in criticism of, of the Saudi government and the investment fund, people will just, you know, fans of um, fans of Newcastle United, who are now owned by effectively the Saudi government, will will say will, will fight back because they think you're attacking their club and their traditions and their their mm. father who took them to games. And so you you buy more and more people in the same way that in golf you've now got like a you've got a direct line to a particular um, demographic, mostly aging white guys, uh, mostly the like typically more right-leaning who are going to tune in and watch the masters and shit like that, or, or watch like your average yeah. NBA event. 
Well, it's funny about the kind of thing you were saying about, uh, you know, people defending the Saudi government because Mm. about the Khashoggi thing, because they like, it's like their club or whatever that completely did not work with live golf. Uh, (laughs) when they were like first getting started up, they had this guy named Greg Norman, who is an Australian retired golfer. He was like, uh, what Tiger Woods was to the nineties and early two thousands. He was to golf in like the eighties. Um, like he was the first superstar golfer who would like fly around on a jet and own a boat. Um, and so the Saudis and like everybody in pro golf, like thinks he's an asshole and, but he's really famous and he's a name. And so the Saudis, the public investment fund recruits him to be the commissioner of live golf. And like the first interview he does not probably not literally the first, but like one of the first interviews he does, someone's like, so why would you work with, uh, you know, a nation that kills journalists and he doesn't miss a fucking beat. He just goes, well, nobody's perfect. Yeah. And then just keeps it moving. <laughs> and this, I mean, this is what happens with Bryson DeChambeau the other day on, on I think, CNN. Where they're, yes. They're him about it. And, like, I, I can say without putting the word allegedly in front of it that Bryson DeChambeau is a fucking idiot. Like, he's just a fucking idiot. And that's okay. Yes. He's, he's not paid to be anything other than a fucking idiot. He's paid to be a guy who, like, outmuscles golf courses by just, like, having big biceps. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a dumb, dumb guy. And that more than other dumb guys is typically used for evil. But like saying nobody's perfect about Mohammed bin Salman is genuinely objectively funny. Like it's yeah. really genuine, uh, but and not even the funniest thing he said in that interview where he was like, Jeffrey Dahmer, like nobody's perfect. Like, yeah, exactly. Just like, Hey, we all make mistakes. But then also saying, um, like when he was quit, he was asked about nine 11, because obviously the, like Jay Monaghan, the, the commission of PGA tour, mm-hmm. or, you know, he courted the nine 11 families, last year and saying like well you know you've never had to apologize for being part of the pga tour and now you know look at these families and then of course when the when the sums get high enough he goes like oh yeah we'll sell fuck those guys and price and dish basically gets on cnn and he's like look guys 9-11 was a long time ago yes oh we yeah for real and it's like he says like we have to move on like guys and he doesn't even say like hey as far to the best of my knowledge the saudi government had no involvement in in the 9-11 attacks he's just like yeah, man, Get look, over it. like, and it was a long time ago. So let's all just grow up and put our big boy hats on. And like, let's just like, just forget about 9-11. And that, that I love that. Right. I love that Bryson DeChambeau literally used the why you got to bring up old shit defense <laughs> to talk about 9-11. Right. That's bold. That's it really so weird. But it's bold in a, it's a, it's, it's bold in a way that makes total sense when you've just spent the last year and a half in his case, taking shit for live golf. And then it turns out that everybody who claimed they had any ethics or morals about it, and not your Rory McIlroy's or your Tiger Woods's who, who maybe did. And, and like, maybe like, we don't know, probably did have like deep ethical concerns about this. I'm sure they had their own agendas too, deep ethical concerns. But like the people who mattered, the people who were signing the papers, they were fucking lying the whole time. It didn't matter. You've just seen you've just seen morals just that completely fall apart that nobody around you has any and you can just you can go on tv and be like forget about 9-11 man it doesn't really matter and you know there's not going to be pushback on that because you're just surrounded by completely amoral crooks and this is or immoral even 
And this is where it like, the live golf thing is instructive, not just in the way that, yeah, you're going to end up with maybe fucking Riyad Mahrez or N'Golo Kante or whoever, whichever soccer player they try and bring into, or however many dozens they bring into the Saudi league and pay up. And however many players will have to toe the party line when the World Cup inevitably gets given to Saudi Arabia for 2030. And everybody says like, hey, I don't really know about this. I'm not a politician and, and stuff like that. While they, you know, they take away people's pride flags like they did in Qatar and stuff like that. What, what for, for all of that stuff, there's, there's the real threat that they will take, that the, the same thing will happen in, in football as happened in golf. And people aren't talking about that enough because I think that people assume, even the people within football assume that they're immortal and they assume that they're the ones in control. From the invention of the Premier League in 1992 onwards, the the people in, at the top of this have always assumed that they're in control. And so in England, they assume it's an English game and in Spain, they assume it's a Spanish game, even as they farm out certain games to Saudi Arabia. What they haven't realized is in the same way as the PGA Tour, the, the governance of, of football, of modern football, is so I, corrupt is one way of yes it is deeply like fifa is a deeply corrupt organization allegedly <laughs> but the for all of that they don't they don't realize okay so with the champions league final fans are complaining of being treated like cattle right liverpool fans the year before talk about like fearing that another hillsborough disaster might happen that people might die in a crush because the the french police are treating them again like cattle forcing them into tiny spaces um, the death of the European Super League now means that more money is going to be funneled to the biggest clubs. Smaller clubs are getting inched out, pushed out. People, yes, Manchester City are ignoring financial fair play regulations, but so are fucking Everton. Like every club's ignoring it. Every the fans are being treated like shit. Not just physically, but like more and more money. It costs a thousand pounds to get a season ticket at Fulham. Yeah, you know shit, we are. We've. I've got a shirt in that drawer that says we were third division runners up and they embroidered that into a jersey because they were proud of it like <laughs> we're charging for a fucking season ticket fans are being treated like shit players wait alex like- i have to interrupt but uh how much did a fulham season ticket cost when you were growing up i mean i i don't know how much the season ticket cost because i let my mum buy it for me when i was a kid but i remember getting into games for a pound on a weeknight well, you go to a fun game for a pound in, in the seats with my where my family sat it would have been a couple of hundred quid probably which is still you know in Germany, they wouldn't allow it to be anything more than that. So for, mm. as you do more, and then the players are also being screwed increasingly just to meet the demands, to meet, to meet financial demands and TV demands. Players are having to play more and more games in a shorter amount of time. I was listening to something today. Kylian Mbappe has played 40% more games than Thierry Henry had played at the same age. Jude Bellingham has played about 35% more than Wayne Rooney had played at the same age. Like players are just being forced right. and it's resulting in injuries, especially in the women's game, but in the men's game too. Players are burning out. Their careers are ending sooner. They're getting pissed off. The managers are pissed off with it. Eventually, somebody with a shitload of money, an oil-rich nation state, will come in and just provide an alternative. They'll do exactly what people did with the PGA Tour. They'll say, look, you don't like the PGA Tour because they don't give you enough of a cut of their, of their money. It's not fun. The crowds aren't really raucous in the way they could be. You don't, you don't earn enough, so we can give you more money and we'll give you more well, break. the biggest thing is they weren't allowed to wear shorts. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let people wear shorts, you know? It's, so until, you, until they start listening to that stuff, they, they are... In the same way that, without meaning to blow this conversation too far open, but like in the same way that 
the Democratic Party with Democratic institutions in America are open to this kind of stuff. Like if you piss people off for long enough and you treat them like shit for long enough and you get arrogant and hubristic for long enough, somebody will come in with a populist angle and they will just say, yeah, man, look, we, we're going to start... European Super League was just botched because they were, they were stupid about it. But if, if, you're, if you're the Saudi Arabian Investment Fund, there's $750 billion to spend. You take a chunk of that and you say, cool, look, the big teams just play each other all the time. That's what fans want. And we'll give you like a guaranteed week off between games. We'll pay the players more. And hell, maybe even the fans can get in for less money because God knows we're bankrolling it enough. And then all of a sudden, you know what? Maybe you don't take... Maybe you don't try and do what they did before. Maybe you don't take Arsenal and Liverpool and, and, and Spurs and, and Barcelona and Real Madrid. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe you take 40 clubs, 50 clubs from around Europe and you just start it that way in the same way that you don't necessarily get Tiger Woods or, or, or Rory McIlroy, but you get Bryson Deschambeau and you get Brooks Kepka and you just, you build. And then the next thing you know, you merge and you have that, you have that merger, which is obviously a takeover. Yes, that is that is the most that is the funniest thing is that the PGA Tour is spinning this as a win right. when because they get more board seats initially, but the public investment fund gets uh, their their head guy is going to be the head of the board and they have an option to invest like more and more and more. And the more they invest, the more board seats they get. And so, you know, soon enough, even Rory McIlroy, uh, the number one 9-11 acknowledger <laughs> in the world, is going to be saying, like, why you got to bring up old shit? Because, because and he's got to get his paycheck signed, right? And there, there's not really mm-hmm. an option. There's not like a rival breakaway league now he can even go to. He can't go to one at a time by somebody else. So that... And he can't play in Europe or Asia or, you know, South America or Canada because he is just too good. Right. And so he's like stuck. And if you watch this press conference he did prior to the RBC Open, he he just looked like like you couldn't see anything below his like torso. And it looked like his chair was made out of like needles. <laughs> and he was just like, well, uh, I feel super hypocritical. Uh, I guess this is good because like the lawsuits that PGA tour and live have against each other will be dropped. And that's like a big fucking headache. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. That's the thing. So who's it's- the biggest winner and the biggest loser in all this? Uh, Saudi Arabia is the biggest winners and everybody else is kind of the biggest losers. Yes. And like, I mean, Saudi Arabia and the teams they're buying and leagues they're buying are the biggest winners. I would say the biggest winner is Bryson DeChambeau. Um, actually, no, the biggest winner is Brooks Kepka because he signed with Live Golf when he couldn't, he was like hurt and or like re, rehabbing from an injury or something, and he was playing like shit. And he sort of used the live golf, a year of live golf to convalesce and get better. And now he's just kicking ass. And yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that you're right, Alex, like, you know, I think the big live golf proposition was basically like saying like, listen, 
the only tournaments that people actually watch are the majors and you guys on the PGA tour will still be allowed to play in the majors. So, you know, why don't you accept a guaranteed $200 million to wear shorts while listening to Avicii? Yeah. uh, And join a team called the snakes or something. Yes. Yeah. And and like wear team branding ideas, which they've all completely scrapped now because they realize like nobody wants to listen to Avicii on the golf course and (laughs) dumb. And they just, they've just scrapped the team concept and that kind of shit. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 the sad thing is that this is is the is the powerlessness that fans feel, and obviously, you know, golf isn't as, as fan oriented as as football. The heritage is there with, with the sport, of course, for players, but for for individuals like relating to a team, perhaps being brought up there or even growing up miles away, and and still like caring about a team and, and investing in it like emotionally. Um, the sad thing is the inevitability of this and the fact that this is all going to be that piece, pieces of this are going to be sold off and eventually it's all going to be it's all going to just be everything is going to become live golf and the only way to avoid that may have already gone we may have already gone past the point where we could have but if i could be if i could be a football fan in any country i'd be a football fan in germany because they and, when ticket prices go above 22 euros, they take to the streets like the French <laughs> when they're told that their pensions are drying up. Like they refuse to travel to games. They write very clever and nasty things about the owners of clubs who they accuse of being like like grifters and, and like corrupt individuals because they're charging like 25 bucks for away tickets and they don't include uh, public transport in the price of the ticket. Like the Germans will absolutely riot if they have, if, if the, if the, if the, the foundation of their football community is threatened in even the smallest way. And that's why Bayern Munich weren't in- interested in the Super League a couple of years ago. They just went like, nope, we don't need this. We're good. We- we're happy here. Um, they don't attract the world's greatest players. They don't attract, like Erling Haaland was there for a couple of years and then he goes to Man City. Does it matter to a fucking Dortmund fan that the world- one of the world's greatest strikers isn't playing there? No, because they still get to go to the club every week. They still get to watch it. They can afford it. You can take your kids. They... they- they won't have this shit sold out from under them. And if they do, like people's lives will be threatened because they won't just let the league be sold off. And in England and Spain, places like that, the own like the English did for once, like England English football fans did rise up two years ago against the Super League. They, they, um, they, I can't believe I had to say like good job to Man U fans, man. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, and but Liverpool fans I mean, I had to do it with Chelsea fans, but it's so miserable to realize that they were only gonna do it at once. And the moment that that tiny little bit of like fans taking to the streets to protest against what they thought was like anti-competitive spirit and and the selling out of the game from underneath them completely fucking evaporates when Manchester United are like, sure, but with Sheikh Jassim in charge of us, we could finally do what we want and and spend money as if you haven't spent half a billion pounds over the last five years on just complete fucking dross anyway. Like we all need to we all need to be okay with being a bit shit, basically. We all, and if football fans could just get off Twitter for 10 minutes and just deal with that, then this threat of the game being sold out from under them or being bought out from under them in a hostile takeover would, I think, if not evaporate, um, at least not seem completely immortal. Okay, okay I have an idea. Alex. Okay, but Alex, hmm. who did 9-11? Well, look, I think the point is that it was a long time ago. 
And it, <laughs> I and who's to say? I mean, you know, I, they're just trying to be a better ally. That's true. Yeah, this is actually this is actually really a labor issue, um, <laughs> and they are being allies to workers. Yeah, um, loosening dress codes. Um, you know, guaranteeing paychecks. Um, you know, they're really they're really trying to get golfers health insurance. That's the main um, thing. You know, move them move them off uh, W nine, get them get them W two. Yep. Yeah. Fucking guaranteed three percent pay raise every year. Or... Yeah. Yep. Yep. Got to yep. keep up with inflation, man. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. And you know, pro golfers they're like Uber drivers, man. They're gig workers right now, and. Yeah. You know, PGA won't even play in California because of the laws. So you know, some of these guys, some of these guys, my fellow freelancers, some (laughs) some of these guys don't know where their next three hundred grand is coming from, and it just exactly breaks my heart. heart. Yeah, and you know, these uh, these sponsor paychecks, you know, they're drying up. They're getting replaced with unlimited free equipment, and you know, a new pxg driver only goes for like 1100 bucks on ebay and if you've only got a hundred of them you know that's a lot of you're losing a cut of that because you know you're paying for shipping exactly you do the math exactly Mm -hmm. yeah yeah workers unite baby (laughs) yep have you ever seen a show called holy moly no no what's that it's a steph curry oh yes i've seen adverts for this yeah, it's competitive mini putt, like incredibly competitive. Incredibly oh competitive no, stuff. they got a yeah, they got Rob Riggle uh, doing That's commentary. Right. Yeah, I've seen it. So here's are the my Muppets pitch. on that thing? Probably, uh, probably. But here's my pitch. No, they, they were okay? special guests, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Saudi Saudi Arabia gets to buy whatever they want, and they're already treating it like FIFA. All right, you're saying they're owning all these teams and they're moving players around like nothing. Okay. Mm. Why don't we just ramp that up another level and we introduce every other thing that's in FIFA? You know, like the um the the the, the game where you can like kick it into a target into like bullseyes in the net. Or soccer AM. Yeah, yeah, the thing, yeah, well, the thing is we have this that. it's major league soccer. MLS already has this stuff. People people are too busy sneering at MLS, but like MLS has MLS yeah. All-Star Weekend is the shit, dude. It rocks. Also like goalie wars. That needs oh. to be a regular fixture. That was fucking. We need horrible. to bring back like the stampede of uh, penalty kicks. Yeah, if you see, if they yeah. if they started introducing that, I would start defending um, the Saudi regime. Absolutely. Speaking of sports washing in Manchester City and all, um, they won the Champions League final this past weekend. And you guys ever heard of Jack Grealish? No. Who is this? Oh, buddy. Like an American comparison or North American comparison for Jack Grealish. I don't think there is one. There's not... J.R. Smith, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Go on. <laughs> but, like, it, it's like he goes even harder than J.R. does. Like, There's something so completely English about him. Yeah, it's just, like, every stereotype of, like, an English person abroad, he just embodies, like, even... Times about ten. He's just like the most like bro dude who plays in the league, like especially now in the English league where like everybody's a true professional and they t- treat their body right and they you know they stay in the house and that. Jack is just like a party boy to no end. Like, is he just sort of like 
the British guy in the season two of White Lotus. I didn't watch season two of White Lotus. I couldn't tell you. That's but, yeah, I'm getting from from Stroll and Google for sure. But uh, after winning the uh, Champions League final, he went on a three or four day bender. That uh, let me give you guys the highlights real quick. <laughs> so uh, after the game, you know he was he was you know very very happy. His first se- this was his second season at City. His first season, he felt like he didn't contribute too much, but. Yeah, so he pretty much, like, led a bunch of the celebrations in the locker room. There's a very funny uh, very funny video from his Instagram story where, like, the kit man or whatever, the guy who's in charge of the jerseys, like, slides across the floor into the wall. And you can hear Jack saying, like, watch my fucking Gucci bag, man. <laughs> and uh, they left the okay. stadium. Yeah, they left the stadium three hours later. And he has a uh, – he's blasting – Fleetwood Max, uh, what Fleetwood Max song was it? Uh, um, everywhere, everywhere, yeah, it was everywhere from a Bluetooth speaker, just like smashing a Heineken on the way to the bus. They get back to the hotel where there's a party. He's still drinking. He uh, gets on the stage and starts rapping. What? Yeah, he uh wakes up the next day. Um, still what did he rap before you go on. <laughs> He, he wakes up the next day still in his uniform. <laughs> and then uh, was then seen with his head poking out of a window on the roof of the team bus, which uh, we might have to use that photo for the uh, for the thumbnail for this episode because it's incredible. Okay. I'm in. uh, they, yeah, they're on their way back to Manchester. Uh, he gets on the intercom of the plane Still drinking the entire time. He has not been to sleep, it looks like. Um, and he just starts, like, doing chants over the intercom on the plane. Uh, fans who saw him getting off the uh, plane back in Manchester, one of them tweeted, Grealish doesn't have a clue what planet he's on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then, like, later on uh, that day, like, this is like a day before the trophy parade where – you know, they were going to send the team bus with, like, all the stuff they won through the city and fans get to, like, line up and see it. He and a bunch of other teammates go to Ibiza on a private jet. Get back in time for the trophy parade. And uh, he is still going at it. It's like, it, 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 I saw a video today of, like, him seeing a pretty girl in the crowd at the trophy parade and he points at her. He's like, Oh yeah, you right there. And so like, he's just like going in and yeah, it's like, we don't get players like this anymore. He is, we don't get at the top level, at least. He is, he is the last of a, of a, of a dying breed, I guess. And he also seems to be like a really lovely bloke. There's, there's videos of him within, but like he, the, like one of the, the the thing he was most famous for before, apart from being like excellent at football, was have you seen the video of him at England training camp where they're doing like a, a piece oh, of wow. content and they they pull out that they're asking all the England players to identify where on a map of England they they were born, um, and they put it to him and he goes, "Oh fucking hell, is that England?" Like he didn't <laughs> he didn't just not know where he grew up. He didn't know <laughs> what a map of England looked like. Um, he's this just like. 
he's a beautiful doofus. He's a lovely, lovely doofus boy with like lovely doofus boy hair as well. He's got curtains. He looks like he's, he, in a he's, a him, he's like a like fucking platonic ideal of a himbo. Yeah, <laughs> ha- handsome dude, just like a human golden retriever. Like yeah, yes. Like one reporter, one reporter asked him like, uh, yeah, your manager says you have an encyclopedic knowledge of football, and he goes, oh what? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, encyclopedic knowledge. He's like, I don't know what that means. Bear it in mind. So this guy is the Derek Zoolander. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Just like an excellent left winger who also can, you can name all the books he's ever read on like your thumb. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. But if, I love him so much, even though he plays for a team I hate. Like he's been like in a team full of like dudes who are robots and just have like all this like just kind of stuff behind and like this dark cloud above him. He's been like the one sense of joy. Seeing him do well has been like the one sense of joy in watching them do this, you know? But not a joyful team. Yeah. It's true. You got like Erling Haaland, who looks like he was built in a lab. Yeah. Just like this large Danish boy who cannot stop scoring goals. You got Rodri, who I fucking hate with all my life. You got Bernardo Silva, who I hate even more. <laughs> but again, at the... At the parade, he goes like, there's one boy, like Grealish goes like, there's one boy on his team I fucking love. And he looks homeless and then brings Bernardo Silva up with him. In front of 100,000 people. He's just, he's just completely, it's beautiful. And the tabloids have been following it. That's another reason it's such a great throwback is because the tabloids have been sort of voraciously following him with this. And he just oh, wasn't okay. turning around and going like that. He's just like, yeah, I'm fucking, it's great. Like, I'm kissing my girlfriend. I'm having a great time. It's just, it's beautiful. I, I wish him nothing. There's better. one photo of him, like, on the street in, like, a fucking traffic cop's, like, uh, vest. And it's like, first of all, <laughs> how, the, how the fuck did he get this? Yeah. Yeah, he's just, like, pouring champagne down his throat and stuff. And, like, yeah, he's just a lovely dude. He really is. So if, so when he's on stage rapping... Um, what would be the correct song for him to have been rapping? As in, what is the song of the summer? And both, what is the song of the summer? And what is the what would be the funniest song for him to have been rapping? Of the I summer? feel like he had to be rapping like a Bad Boy Chiller Crew song. I love Bad Boy Chiller Crew. There doesn't. Yeah. Like, yeah, bad boy, the funniest song for him to be rapping would have been like a Megan the Stallion song that you're surprised he knows all the words to. <laughs> he might. Yeah, this is uh, this is happening in the UK, so definitely like some kind of UK rapper, like uh, Drake, I guess. Hey, uh, nice. But, uh, that little uh, he he put out a new song. It's terrible though. That Who Told You with that Jay Huss song. Drake is on it now, and it's and it's not good, but it's going to be everywhere. Yeah, it'll be everywhere. God, I hope you learn to do the um. Well, you guys should like the, your your homework is to find that the greatest football song of all time, which is "World in Motion" by New Order. Okay, the, um, I don't remember which World Cup in the '86 World Cup, and it, it's a really it's a genuinely good football. I mean, it's a fucking New Order song, right? Like it's a cut above your average football song. Um. But to, to Trey's interests, uh, that John Barnes does the on the remix does the rap. Oh, I'm I'm aware. I'm well aware. Early rap as well. It's very much like 
from the era of like when you were walking down the street just the other day and you saw a real <laughs> way and but like football version is like it's it's perfect i'm not going to try and recreate it but it, it's absolutely worth uh worth looking up uh john barnes uh he bodies it i think my name's john barnes i'm a footballer it's kind of yeah, yeah. It's like, but it, it's also like describing i see your girl you bet i'm gonna holler like stuff like that yeah i can't remember the exactly but it's just like you've got it's like you've got to know when to run and to pass and to kick it's very much like describing how to play the game to like a, to a child like so this yeah. is like Curtis Blow. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that, that kind of like whole. You remember when like that. you ever heard that Blazer song? Like just when the NBA used to make this like the entire team rap on a track, like back in the day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, does Seven Nation at Army count as a football song? Because if yeah. so, that's the best football song. Yeah. That's an American football song, definitely. So a soccer song. Uh, no, no, no. I was, I was saying it's a song by the band American Football. Uh, nice. Yeah, I realize I don't know who put the song of the summer thing in there, but uh. Oh, that was me. Okay. I was thinking about like, oh, what would I pick for the song of the summer this summer? But like, it's more than just a song that you think would be good for the summer and embodies the spirit of the summer. Like it has to be widespread and like, you can't go anywhere without hearing it. And I don't think we've had that song like really since like COVID started. Yeah. Like, are we, are we in a post song of the summer society? All right. First of all, I... no, there's Sprinter. Have you heard Sprinter? No. no. Is there some Alex, Canadian? Have you? I haven't. That's a shame because it's by two UK artists, Dave and Central C. There's uh, Put It On The Floor Again with Cardi B. Um, there's that Who Told You song. There's Taliban. And then there's Burna Boy sitting on top of the world. Those are, And then Princess Diana, if you want to count that. Ice Spice and Nikki. Yeah, like, I would say like, if I had to pick one, it would be like one of those... Uh... It's like that Lotto song or that uh, Glorilla song that like Cardi has a fucking feature on. Yeah. The Glorilla yeah. one is, uh, that's from like the winter-ish. And then the Lotto one just came out. I mean, they were trying to call Gialis song of the summer like a summer or two ago, and that shit came out in like March. So True. Yeah, that's true. You yeah. are allowed to hear that. I mean, my perception of song of the summer is sort of warped because like all of the teenagers in philly seem to only listen to like local philly rappers which is like really cool but like it now makes me be like oh well it's obviously like a ot7 kwani song (laughs) it's the everyone listens to ot7 (laughs) kwani Yeah, what are you talking about? Who? OT7 Kwani? I gotta make sure that's his name. I don't remember any name of anything anymore because I'm old. Um, yeah, OT7 Kwani. He's like... Like, he and Leaf Ward are the two big rappers coming up right now in Philly. And then there's this other guy named Lil Bucks with, like, two or three S's um, who is sort of... He's like a younger he's like still a teenager 
and is like very infamous in the scene because he's always making songs that like like comment on murders that have occurred in the city so like but he's like very talented so it's like a really complicated thing um but yeah ot7 quantity he raps uh he raps kind of like cookie monster he's really cool okay uh, i'm i'm interested yeah Listening to you list all those rapper names one after the other was how I felt this past week. Just looking at my timeline with this baby Gronk bullshit. <laughs> oh God, baby Gronk, man! I like he did what to who? What the fuck? What are you talking about? He got fucking rizzed up by Livy, dude. Don't act like you don't fucking know when you know that you do. Yeah, it's OT7 Quani was he's, there. Yeah. He's the Riz King. Like, how? What are you missing? Yeah. He got like Livy rizzed him up, and now he's the Riz King, baby Gronk. Yeah, but the Drip King is Livy's ex-boyfriend, and, like, we haven't even thought about his feelings. Right. This is what it sounds like when, like, I go out on a date, and I can only imagine, like, <laughs> the person I'm sitting across him is just like, oh, okay, he's had a stroke before. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is the type of stuff you get when there's a writer's strike. Yeah. we sp- I, sp- I went out on Friday night and spent, like, a good three hours with friends trying to... F- decipher the sentence decipher that headline like the livy rizzed up baby gronk and now he's the drip king the riz king like and we still couldn't figure it out and i've never felt older and i've never felt more okay with that like i'm i'm fine with it yo it's not our world anymore man we're in different areas of our lives i don't want it i don't want that world i don't want like somebody else needs to have that world and to (laughs) care for it and love it in a way that i never can Dude, I'm in my 30s. I've learned enough already, man. I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to get through the day at this point. Listen you know? to Steely Dan and just drop out. It's fine. Mm. I was watching that video on a loop, though, because like the deadness of the like the deadness of the guy who makes its eyes is so captivating. Like he looks like he is the reanimated corpse of a like small liberal arts school lacrosse backup rather than a living man. Like he is, it is a bit like, he's just a very good, he's very good at this. Yes. Like he's just, he's, I think what drew people, cause I first time I watched it, I was like, is this sincere? And then after a couple of times, I'm like, no, it's too haunting. And he's just, he's actually, it's a good. Oh man. So speaking of golf and baby Gronk, uh, I was just Googling and, Headline, uh, Paige uh, Spironek, that's her name? Oh, no. Yeah, calls out Baby Gronk's dad for sliding into her DMs. It just keeps going. There's just there's just always new people we're talking about. Hang on a second. I'm looking at my timeline. It says Zion Williamson, Snapchat, exposed Baby Gronk, texting Zion Williamson. <laughs> wow, can you believe this? It's going to be a real shame when the um, Saudi investment fund performs a hostile takeover of Baby Gronk. <laughs> when the Saudi investment fund starts a like third or fourth professional American football league here, yeah, just so that Baby Gronk can can sign to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, going to be good. Going to be good. This feels like what was his name, Terrio? Yeah. yeah. This feels like looking at a white Terrio a little bit, man. This is going to get real dark real quick. But didn't Terrio end up going to the NFL? 
Yeah, but I don't think he needed that like two, three years of trauma. He Wait, did on- Terrio go to the NFL? Yeah. I know he like got big and like lost a lot of weight. No, he got like swole. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh no, he just like uh no. Sorry. We might have to cut this. No, okay. no. Here in Jersey, we love spreading misinformation. So he's a college football player, and he signed a deal, and it wasn't Terrio. It was the guy that they thought was Terrio in the uh, Popeyes line who who gave the the look, the sideways <laughs> glance. Oh yeah, okay. Do you remember when people thought <laughs> that everyone was Terrio? They were just pointing cameras at people, going, "Ooh, kill him! <laughs> do it, do it! Ooh, kill him!" <laughs> So anyway, he's like, my name is Greg. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so. This kid who that happened to, uh, his name is Mr. Colin. He became a meme because this happened to Popeyes, and now he signed a nil deal with Popeyes. Wow! So good wow. for him. The N the nil is such a weird fucking thing. Like it just oh, yeah. Did you it see the only rewards influencers and like meme players well it's funny angel reese said that she makes more money staying at lsu than she would by going to the wnba somebody call the saudis we got a pro sports labor issue (laughs) that Um, would be crazy what if uh what if live paid all of these college athletes to do influencer marketing and talk about how good Saudi Arabia is. We're going to have to cut this. This is too good an idea. Yeah, it would be yeah. true Riz King. Yeah. <laughs> how do we know it hasn't already started? How do you, how do we know that this isn't part of their operation? Yeah. It's well, true. it's going to happen eventually. I guess we just got to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, yes. uh, yeah, as as uh, most things, you know, Nersey is for sale. And if anybody's listening to this in any cold climate areas, just know I don't know if we're going to have to cut that part or not. No, it's all good, bro. It's all good. We can do that <laughs> I'm worse than Kevin Gates, I'm me And you know I'm down to drink pee And you know I'm down to drink pee And you know I'm down to drink pee And you know I'm down to